This is Gary Dick. And before we get to this week's episode of the Business and Beyond podcast, I want to tell you about the newest podcast from IBJ Media. It's called Off the Record with the Indiana 250. In each episode, IBJ Media CEO Nate Feldman talks with a different leader on the Indiana 250 list of the state's most influential leaders. They discuss their vision for Indiana's future, experiences in business, and advice for other aspiring entrepreneurs. New episodes are released on select Thursdays, so subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast platform and never miss an episode. Just search Indiana 250 off the record. Ivy Tech really is Indiana's community college. Our mission is serving all the students of the state, the employer's needs, and the communities in which we serve. Sue Elsperman's middle name, well, it could very well be Serve. She's dedicated most of her adult life to Indiana higher education and state government. I, Sue Elsperman, do solemnly swear, do solemnly swear that I will support that I will support the former Indiana Lieutenant Governor and current president of Ivy Tech Community College, Dr. Sue Elsperman, how growing up in the German Catholic town of Ferdinand helped pave a path for her to follow a life in public service. She's my guest this week on the Business and Beyond podcast. That's Sister Anita Louise Lowe playing the harp. She's a nun at one of the largest Benedictine communities in the United States. It's in Sue Elsperman's stomping grounds, Ferdinand, Indiana. And Sue has likely heard that rendition of the Ave Maria. Elsperman has come a long way from being the only girl in drafting class back in high school in a small southern Indiana town. She's leveraged her engineering skills to carve out stints at some corporate biggies. Michelin, Frito-Lay, and General Motors. Sue wound up back in Indiana serving as state representative before joining Mike Pence as his running mate on the gubernatorial ticket in 2012. After serving for nearly four years as lieutenant governor, Elsperman took on the role of president of Indiana's largest college system. And it is my pleasure to welcome to the podcast this week, Sue Elsperman, the president of Ivy Tech Community College. And uh, Sue, how are you? I'm doing great. It is great to be with you, Gary. So, you know, we're heading into the fall uh, season. There's probably, I mean, from all colleges and universities, but at Ivy Tech, maybe you have a little bit of a downtime, but is there a, an actual downtime or you're you're going full speed uh, 24-7? Uh, we are different than most traditional institutions in that we have five times a year where our traditional courses start. Fall is still the largest start of the semester, but we do eight-week courses. Uh, 85% of our courses are offered in that format, which is better for a working adult. So every eight weeks, students can begin with us. But we are into fall. We still feel that fall, and it's been a, a very strong one again this year. Well, uh, Ivy Tech is the largest singly accredited statewide community college in the entire country. 177,000 students, 43 locations around the state. I think everyone's heard of Ivy Tech, but I don't think everyone knows 
the size, the breadth, you know, what you cover geographically, but also just in terms of connecting with with Hoosiers. And importantly, 40 percent of these students, your students, right, are first generation students. Yes. And the fact that when Ivy Tech was formed as Indiana's community college, we were singly accredited, which means we're really one college. And I always say, what does that mean to Hoosiers? That means if I want to be a nurse, the nursing program in Evansville is the same as Indianapolis, is the same as Fort Wayne. And if life happens and I move to another part of the state, it's the same program, right? And for employers who need many robotics technicians, right? That AART program in one community is the same as another, and we can have several campuses supporting. Uh, we're doing that with semiconductors. We're doing with that with biotech. We're doing that with uh, battery technology. So it's a way to actually attract industry and help important industries, emerging industries, and those key employers in our communities grow because we can put two, three, four, five Ivy Tech campuses all devoted to growing that talent pipeline. You mentioned some of the newer economy uh, areas like like semiconductors and, you know, alternative energy. And, uh, you know, obviously the auto industry is being electrified, uh, going to the uh, electric vehicles and those types of things, having a dramatic impact on the economy of the country and including here in Indiana. As you look at Ivy Tech's offerings, do you think people are aware that you are so ingrained, so uh, into these new areas uh, that it's not just the more traditional areas, but some of these new areas of the economy. Yeah, I think it is another one of those kind of secrets of of Ivy Tech. But batteries, one of the reasons we, Indiana, attracted the battery plants, semiconductors, others, is that Ivy Tech had already been the first community college to offer an industry 4.0 degree. That is the smart manufacturing of the future, that fully integrated connected factory. And that as the backbone to these high tech emerging industries is incredibly important. And of course, that's just part of what we do. While we also do all the other things that industry needs us to do, whether it's culinary or IT. And I'd say staying in front of IT is a constant challenge to be where we need to be for industries. But we do them both. We have 75 different programs uh, across the college. Now, not every one of our campuses offers every one of those programs. Again, our strength is making sure that we have the programs that are needed for the employers in those communities. Uh, but that the power of Ivy Tech is really incredible. And the envy of most of the country, we're one of two states that have these fully uh, singly accredited system statewide. And it's a true competitive advantage. Good for Hoosiers who want to come here. Great for industry and amazing for the IEDC in our state as we're trying to attract industry here. Well, you talk about attracting industry and the role that Ivy Tech plays. Uh, There is a direct link. In particular, uh, I think a good example is the uh, Stellantis uh, Samsung SDI deal a massive deal for an electric vehicle, uh, an electric battery plant in Kokomo, two and a half billion dollar investment, 1400 jobs. And I know you and I, you may have talked about it on the show some months ago 
But you feel Ivy Tech was really critical in sealing that deal for Indiana. Well, we were there uh, from the beginning at the table. We were able to make the commitment to a great Korean employer that we could do the work. We've already trained 200 of their employees. It'll be another 500 over the next year. We've been to Korea uh, to see the plants there. We're designing alongside. And I don't think it's coincidental that New Carlisle landed the second uh, plant because that will be a sister plant, a sister campus rather, that will do that training. And we will be able to have the exact programs they need. I think that also helped with Entech, which is the battery separator plant that uh, is coming to Terre Haute, a one and a half billion dollar. It success builds upon success. And I think as they see it, it's incumbent on us to make sure that we live up to every expectation that the employers have. But Ivy Tech is very capable of doing this work. In your view, uh, because workforce is obviously such a critical issue all over the country, uh, but certainly here in, in Indiana, how would you describe the state of workforce in the state of Indiana right now? I think we have a strong, we know we're number one in manufacturing, right? So Hoosiers love to make things. We have the highest number of manufacturing jobs per capita of anywhere in the country. That's a competency we have. However, it's not in all places at the level of skill that it needs to be. We know that manufacturing is moving to industry 4.0, which means even operators in those plants need more skill. So Eli Lilly, for instance, would love to get to a point where all of their operators have associate degrees, right? In most of the world, they do. That skill improvement is something that needs to continue. We're doing okay, and we need to do excellent if we're going to continue to attract these emerging industries. So that is our job. And we call it stackable, right? So you may start with a certificate and then go to a technical certificate associate degree, and then that associate degree being stackable to a bachelor's for those who need to continue on. Uh, that is just the way we think, and it's how we serve Indiana. But our workforce, both 18-year-olds as well as those that are 30 and 40-year-olds well into their careers, we want to help Hoosiers continue to scale up. The state has not yet achieved its big goal, which is that 60% of our workforce having a post-secondary degree or credential by 2025. We're at 54%, a little better than half of the states in the nation, but not where we'd like to be. I know the commissioner would like us to be at the top 10. So we still got headroom as a state if we want to have an economy that provides the kind of financial and community strength in the state that we want to live in. So we've still got plenty of headroom. In terms of the the culture, if you will, around this whole workforce idea in Indiana, it's been a lot said over the years that, uh, you know, Indiana is certainly blessed to have tremendous uh, public and private uh, higher uh, education institutions, to be sure. But that mindset that if you don't go to a four year school, it it's it's not it's not the right path. You're not you're not on the right path when in reality, the jobs you're talking about, the training you're talking about giving people, you know, real careers in area in growing areas. Do you think that's changing? Do you think the mindset of, of Hoosiers is changing? 
I think there's a realization that something's needed post high school. And I think parents and adults are still price shocked at what four-year schools cost. And you're exactly right. Most of the jobs uh, that are coming aren't going to require that four-year or advanced degree, but they will require post-secondary. And that is the space Mm -hmm. you need to make sure that Hoosiers are ready to go starting in high school with dual credit, dual enrollment to help those students gain a first credential so that every graduate comes out with something that gives them a leg up in the workforce and a place to continue uh, growing uh, over their career. So I are they there? I think it's a work in process. I think parents, when we did some branding work a few years ago, parents told us, you know, they believed that there's they had to send their kids to four-year, right? They still had that. However, that price shock of it says it's not affordable to many, and then they don't really know what to do. So we are affordable. You know, a whole year at Ivy Tech is just $5,000 and change, right? So we know we're affordable. In fact, here's the stat I would love everyone to know. Four out of five of Ivy Tech's graduates graduate with no debt, zero debt. We have 300 employers who will pay for their employees to go back to Ivy Tech. Tuition assistance up front, nothing out of pocket. Um, The state has generous aid. Federal Pell will more than cover Ivy Tech. So even if they they want to go to a four-year school, they want to be a doctor, they want to be a teacher, doing your first two years at Ivy Tech for that transfer option is another piece that I think Sometimes families aren't sure, well, is it of the same quality? And I can tell them with full confidence, yes, we know it from the research that our own four-year partners have done on our students. They come well-prepared. The programs transfer. It is a smooth transition. Students succeed. So on all fronts, whether you're going into the workforce or whether you're transferring to a four-year school, Ivy Tech is both high quality and affordable. You rolled out an ambitious uh, five-year uh, strategic plan uh, back in 2018 and have just rolled out a new a new strategic plan, uh, both with an overarching goal of uh, getting to uh, 50,000 Hoosiers uh, annually with uh, high-quality certifications, uh, certificates, uh, credentials, as you said, post-secondary uh, education, aligned with the needs of industry. That has always been kind of a sticking point. You you hear the business community over the years, well, we're not getting the kind of talent we need out of the schools. They're not teaching what we need. And and it was back and forth. Do you think that's that's going away? I, Ivy Tech, I know, has numerous partnerships with business and industry. Is that is that whole issue, in your view, being kind of straightened out here in Indiana? I think our legislature has done a wonderful job with and our Department of Education, our Indiana Department of Education, led by Secretary Katie Jenner. Those next level programs of study are lined up to industry. They start in high school. Those students can come out with a credential aligned. The next level jobs, which has now been in place seven, I believe, years. Uh, We have had more than 45,000 Hoosiers take those short-term credentials 
paid by the state, free to Hoosiers, mostly adults coming to those programs. And more than 25,000 have completed those degrees uh, at Ivy Tech. Those are all aligned. In fact, they have to be aligned to qualify. So I would say our state has made some of the best progress of anywhere in the country. I know both of those programs are touted nationally for being aligned. And that's so important because the majority, at least we hope as parents, the majority of our young people will stay in Indiana. At Ivy Tech, 93% of our students stay here. So we want to make sure they're prepared for high wage, high demand, future leaning jobs and careers. And Again, we're not there, but we are well on our path. And I would put Indiana against any state in the nation for the alignment we have to our employers. And I think that's the reason we keep the employers, the great employers that we have, the Lilies and the Cummins and the Rolls-Royce. They need and want and and expect that. And I think um, our state is doing a good job at delivering. And Ivy Tech is absolutely committed to ensuring we're aligned. Well, you became uh, Ivy Tech president in uh, in July of 2016, uh, right? So yeah, hard to believe. Seven, it's been that long. <laughs> seven my plus eighth year. Yeah. It's crazy. Well, and, and that marked really a return to education for you because uh, in terms of your background, you were a founding director of the Center of Applied Research and Economic Development at the University of Southern uh, Indiana, USI, in Evansville. You also taught at USI, I think at UE and others. Talk about that center, because I think the concept of that center at, at USI is a good one and an important one for Indiana. Well, it was really a, a fun endeavor. Um, I say I got to engage 600 faculty from the University of Southern Indiana in economic development work to help Southwest Indiana grow. So uh, I come from a consulting background. I'd done 20 years of consulting prior and along the way finished my doctorate. Always knew uh, as I did that doctorate that I wanted to go into higher education. And uh, being the founding director of the Center for Applied Research was just kind of the perfect job. We did everything from helping Vanderburg County do it, put in their new jail to economic impact studies on the new I-69 back in the day. Wow, yeah. Just <laughs> a thought in our minds. It was not a road yet, but how would we ensure that we had the best outcomes in our communities when the interstate came? I've worked with, uh, you know, smaller organizations and nonprofits across Habitat for Humanity was a great way to look at what was the impact of all the 300 homes that had been built in Evansville and the social and economic impacts of that. So lots of studies, lots of great projects, and really gratifying to uh, be able to take the faculty wisdom, knowledge, expertise, and apply it to projects that would make a difference in Southwest Indiana. And as we all know, whether you come from Northern, Central, or Southern Indiana, we want our communities to thrive and leveraging our higher education institutions to do that work in addition to the educating of our students uh, and uh, workforce uh, is important. 
uh, undergrad at Purdue, uh, from Purdue University uh, in industrial engineering, also a PhD and a master's from the University of Louisville in industrial engineering as well. So you are a pioneer uh, of sorts. There weren't many, and there still aren't enough. I know there are a lot of efforts to get <laughs> women in these engineering areas. But when you went through, you, you, you were a pioneer of sorts. I knew that I didn't want to do what, quote unquote, women were allowed or expected to do. Right. When I graduated from high school. I loved drafting in high school. I just loved designing. I was good at math. And you know what? Literally one day I was in drafting and I was the other, all the guys, because I was the only girl in the class, all the guys like, what are you guys doing? They were all going to be engineers. And so I sat back and thought, well, no one asked me. <laughs> so, so I thought, you know, I bet I could be an engineer and uh, talked to my dad. He was very supportive, uh, applied, you know, the first place I applied was Rose Holman, wanted to apply to Rose Holman. Of course, they weren't open to women back then. At that time. Right. Uh-huh. But ended up at Purdue, just a wonderful career choice. And I would encourage young women today, of course, engineering, STEM is so important. And it opened, literally, Gary, it opened the doors. I worked for General Motors, Michelin, Frito-Lay, grew up in manufacturing, uh, would not trade those experiences for anything. And I use a lot of my IE today. At Ivy Tech, we are a big system. I mean, it, you know, all the things we need to do to be efficient, we need to be the best users of those taxpayer funds that we receive and the tuition that our students pay. We have to be the most affordable higher ed. And I, I use that all day long. And I feel sorry for my team sometimes because <laughs> we are about working efficiently and effectively, high quality, great outcomes. And uh, that was uh, a good part of my background. And your career, uh, ultimately, of course, returned to education, but also politics, as many people know, ultimately serving as Indiana's 50th lieutenant governor. We'll talk about that and much more when the Business and Beyond podcast returns. At PNC Bank, we're committed to making a difference in the lives of our customers and communities by helping them move forward financially. As a Main Street Bank, we try to do right by our customers with every encounter. Our local teams offer personalized financial advice to help guide you in making the best decision. We're proud to be part of your community. PNC Bank. See how we can make a difference for you at PNC.com. Copyright 2022, the PNC Financial Services Group Bank. All rights reserved. And welcome back to the Business and Beyond podcast presented by PNC. My guest this week, Sue Elsperman, the president of Ivy Tech Community uh, College. And Sue, you are indeed an Indiana native, Southern I Indiana, am. right? Uh, mm -hmm. Ferdinand. Born, uh, born in Evansville, grew up in Ferdinand. Uh, du Bois County. T t talk about one of a big family, too, right? Well, six kids, which was, you know, back in the day. We thought everyone had six kids in their family, right? We were a good German Catholic community, and there were uh, lots of kids, baby boomers everywhere. 
Yeah. Talk about growing up uh, in Du Bois County and, and, and what that was like. Well, my dad had a small jewelry store on Main Street. So uh, it was a great upbringing. There were three boys, three girls. The girls all worked in the jewelry store. Dad wasn't sure that boys would be so good. So we that was my life in high school was, you know, go to school, go down, work after school every night, weekends, summers. Christmas breaks, you know, snow right. days. I said I never had a snow day because <laughs> dad would tell his others, like, you stay home. I'll take one of the girls with me, right? <laughs> so it was a great upbringing. Learned how to run a business, you know, knew how to order, how to do the books, how to engrave, how to take care of customers. Customer service being like the most important thing out of all of that. And then a great high school, Forest Park was a small school, a little over 100 students in a class. I ran track, but band was like, I was a band nerd, world <laughs> rifle in high school. It was just like a a wonderful place to grow up. I can't imagine a better childhood than we had. It was yeah. truly a beautiful community. you like, if you were caught speeding in town, that neighbor would call your parent and say, <laughs> I saw your daughter driving too fast, right? You know, that's how you were taken care of. Like yeah. you all had a community around you. Yeah. Role models, did you have a particular role models? I'm sure you did. But uh, as you think back on it, role models that really, really shaped you? Yeah, probably a couple. You know, in my younger years, there's no no doubt it was like my high school band director, Gene Kaish, who just was a leader who motivated us to do things that we shouldn't have been able to do. We were always were a state finalist in band. We were one out of four kids in the school marched in the band. I mean, it was just the thing you did. Later, as I grew up and came back to the area and worked, it was Pat Cook. Pat Cook, the arc of Holiday World, had been a nun in her early years, amazing force of nature in what she did in helping Bill build Holiday World, uh, bringing a parish to her community, St. Nicholas, working with the Sisters of St. Benedict, who are just incredibly close to my heart for the work that women religious have done in Southern Indiana, but across our country, educating millions of kids, including us. We, the other secret, we went to a public Catholic school, right? It was, I didn't know till I was an adult that it was not a Catholic school. It was actually Ferdinand Consolidated School, but we were taught by nuns. Really? Was a nun. Wow. All of my teachers were nuns through grade school. And they were amazing at helping us become successful in our education, but also making sure we were good people, right? They weren't afraid yeah. to practice what needed. Uh, <laughs> and now I have the privilege of uh, really spending time with the Sisters of St. Benedict have been part of my consulting work over the years and just where I spend a lot of my personal passion. Well, as mentioned earlier, Purdue, Louisville, education-wise, Went into the corporate world with Frito-Lay, uh, Michelin, and others. Elsperman and Associates, your consulting firm uh, that you created. and But you ventured into politics. What what got you into politics? Well, some people would say I turned the wrong way in the road. <laughs> but um, I was doing the work at the Center for Applied Research and working more with government. I had helped uh, then Lieutenant Governor Becky Skillman do a rural strategic plan. And during that process realized, I just didn't know how government worked. I'm an engineer. I didn't know those things. 
didn't pay attention in high school government class and really felt like I needed to know more. And a colleague recommended the Luger series, which is a program for women. Senator Luger set it up with people like Teresa Lubbers supporting back in the day to get more women to come into public service. So I went through that series wanting to understand what good government looked like. And of course, no one did it better than Dick Luger, right? So local, state, federal, and it was a great exposure. But at the end of that, got a phone call to ask me to run for office. I said, oh my gosh, I've run for nothing since high school student council, (laughs) but thought about it. Talked to now Senator, but back then, State Representative Mark Mesmer, who was representing Jasper area. And anyway, the rest is history. I ran for state rep in uh, 2010, was elected, and then two years later uh, got, again, who vets a two-year state rep for (laughs) lieutenant governor. But Uh heck, I went to the sisters and we did some praying over that one. And, you know, if God wanted me to serve in that capacity, I was willing and it was a privilege to serve with Governor Pence. Well, talk about that experience as lieutenant governor with Governor Pence. Again, you somewhat of a political novice you were, right, at that at that point. What, For what sure. was yeah, For what, sure. what was it? What was that uh, what was that experience like? It truly was amazing. And I think it was the perfect training ground for what I'm doing today. At the time, you know, I certainly wanted to serve. Governor Pence, wonderful public servant, incredible individual, of course, who's done uh, much more service for our nation since then. But the opportunity to serve uh, Indiana, just for people to know, has one of the broadest roles for their lieutenant governors, many mm-hmm. states. It's, it's just a holding holding tank, if you will, or holding self or somebody. But here, your secretary of of agriculture. Mm-hmm. Uh, you oversee multiple agencies, you're president of the Senate, and you really have a chance to make a difference in the state. One of the responsibilities I had statutorily as well was to be the vice chair of the Indiana Career Council, which was legislation passed during our administration. And that had a lot to do with preparing me for Ivy Tech uh, four years later, as we did Indiana's strategic plan of how in 2016 and 17, we're going to prepare us to have that skilled workforce and really prosperity for the state. You know, that is why people people go on uh, for higher education. They want prosperity out of that. So that opportunity to serve and visit 92 counties. So my first year, I did the 92 county tour, getting to meet with local business leaders, but also elected leaders and understanding the hopes and dreams and challenges of every community and understanding the difference between uh, a Gary, Indiana and a Bloomington and a Terre Haute and a, you know, Jeffersonville and every community. And that that is probably the great gift that position gave me was knowing Indiana and appreciating all parts of our state and having a passion that every community in our state should thrive, that that's part of our responsibility as public servants. And that's why at Ivy Tech, we get that privilege to help yeah. communities 
define their next great, great decade. Are, are, are you concerned that some areas, for whatever reason, some areas of the state are kind of being left behind, you know, or really facing challenges that, that maybe they can't overcome? Well, no doubt, you know, I think, again, coming out of manufacturing, we all saw the disinvestment and the offshoring of manufacturing jobs during the 80s and 90s. And to no fault of the citizens, their communities changed. Now we have the opportunity and Indiana is in the best seat in the nation with our capabilities around manufacturing. But I'll give you, for instance, East Chicago is one of those communities. We, while the General Assembly was never able to fund that priority project for us, we made the decision at Ivy Tech to put, along with some very good donors in the area, we're putting $15 million into that technology facility Mm. because it needs, that community needs and deserves the best uh, high post-secondary we can provide. And that is paying dividends to support the industry. I'm hopeful, knock on wood, that they're in contention for one of the big hubs that are uh, that mm-hmm. might be awarded. And we need to be ready to go. I, I'm passionate about our theme, higher education at the speed of life of this new strategic plan, which means we can't wait to renovate facilities. If people see me, shaking bushes across the state, looking for donors and industry partners, we have to make sure that every one of those Ivy Tech facilities across the state is state of the art to do what's needed exactly for what you've said, Gary, to bring every community back. It is that skilling up of our workforce to meet the needs of emerging technologies and where their existing employers want to grow and uh, we're going to do it. We're going to do it. But yes, that is, if there's one thing that I want to be able to say I did when my working days are over, it will be to help those communities, all communities see their better tomorrow. You submitted your resignation to Governor Pence in 2016. And you did so, as, as I look back on, I remember the quote, you did so with a conflicted heart. What was what? that uh, decision making <laughs> process like? You know, it's kind of hard to go to your governor and say, Governor, I think there's a better seat on the bus for me. Mm -hmm. So President Tom Snyder had announced his retirement in late 2015. And I had some uh, trustees and others approach me about would I be interested in becoming the president. And again, my first notion was, no, no, I'm lieutenant governor. We're running again. We're going to have another uh, administration. And yet the more that sat on my heart, the more I knew where my strengths were, where I could make maybe a bigger difference for Indiana. Being governor had never been on my bucket list of things to do. If I had been called to serve, I might have done it. But knowing and understanding at that point what Ivy Tech meant to Indiana and what good work it was doing and what more it could do and should do, was uh, something that just uh, by the end of 2015, I went to the governor and we had multiple meetings to talk about if that was the best thing. But he agreed with me and uh, the rest is history that it I was the first lieutenant governor ever to step down. Mm -hmm. I stepped down with no job 
it was an election year. The governor needed a lieutenant governor. The actual interview process hadn't started. So I had a couple months of, you know, knowing that there was no promise, but I had plan B and plan C. I knew there were other opportunities in Indiana. It worked out beautifully, could not be happier. I do feel like this is the best seat on the bus for me in Indiana. And I absolutely love our mission and the work. I'm privileged every day to work with amazing Hoosiers that that have a passion for our students, our communities, and uh, for making this a better state. Well, Sue Elsperman, uh, it's been a real treat chatting on the podcast uh, this week. Thanks for all you do for not just for Ivy Tech, but it's very important for Indiana and your service, uh, uh, your passion for service obviously came through in our talk today. So really appreciate it and hope to see you soon. Thank you, Gary. It's been my pleasure. Keep doing what you're doing as well. Your work, IBJ, are incredibly important to our state. Great. Thanks very much. Sue Elsperman, the president of Ivy Tech Community College. My guest this week on the Business and Beyond podcast presented by PNC, it is a weekly conversation with achievers in business, sports, entertainment, and beyond. And you can download all episodes of the Business and Beyond podcast and get Indiana Business News 24-7. All you have to do is go to InsideIndianaBusiness.com. I'm Gary Dick. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you next time.